MacBook Air is one of the most ubiquitous laptops around, but does a new design and the upgraded M2 processor justify an upgrade? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to discuss this is our resident laptop expert, Dan Ackerman. Welcome, Dan. It's good to be here as always. So the new MacBook Air was arguably the most exciting announcement out of WWDC last month. What changes did we get with this new version? It is a pretty big revision to the Air. I went as far as saying it's the biggest overall set of changes since the MacBook Air launched way back in 2008. And also that I should know because I reviewed that original MacBook Air way back in 2008. Um, the big things here are the design has changed. Uh, really, it's finally moved away from that tapered look. It was like wider at the back, a little narrower at the front, kind of silver grayish. It's always had that. Now it's this flat uh, kind of constructivist, minimalist design that the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros have. And it's got some interesting new colors uh, besides silver and gray and goldish. Now it has Midnight, which is kind of a matte black that is kind of like those old black MacBooks that I used to love many, many years ago. And I also reviewed those when they came out too. Uh, so that's big change number one. And frankly, for a lot of people, that's a big deal. Uh, number two, the screen is a little bit bigger, 13.6 inches versus 13.3 and about the same size. I always like getting a little more screen real estate. A lot of people are moving up to 14-inch laptops now. So, you know, cheers for that. Um, the biggest thing for me, frankly, is not the M2 chip versus the M1. The biggest thing for me is the webcam, which is finally a 1080 camera because MacBooks have traditionally had these 720 resolution cameras that just nobody is like. They're just not great. Uh, now they have 1080 cameras in the 14-inch Pro, the 16-inch Pro, the 24-inch iMac. They actually put it in the 27-inch Intel iMac last gen of that. And now it's in this, the 13-inch MacBook Air. It's not in the 13-inch M2 MacBook Pro they just released a couple of weeks ago because that's like an older body. And it makes a huge difference. And it's not just the resolution. It's the image processing behind it. We did side-by-side -side, you know, test shots you can see in our review and uh, it's going to make a big difference, especially because what are we doing all the time? We're doing these Zoom meetings and web meetings, and we're recording ourselves using our laptops a lot more than we ever used to. Uh, it's been way too long coming. Uh, uh, and I think that's probably the single biggest reason I would grab one of these versus an older MacBook Air. But there's also the M2 chip, which is a little bit faster than the M1, you know? Let's, let's talk about that because... Um, that was obviously one of the big announcements at WWDC, this M2 chip. Um, you know, there, I think there's a little bit of confusion around, you know, what's the most powerful chip because there are multiple M1s, uh, as you've noted. Uh, M2, just by virtue of its number, seems like it's more powerful or faster. But, well, I guess before we get into the MacBook Air and the M2, like maybe break it down for us. Like, where does the M2 stack in terms of power or horsepower brain power, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the lineup of M chips. You would think M2 better than M1. It's not that simple. If you've covered any kind of chip or even tech product naming conventions over the last couple of decades, you'll know uh, the M1, the original, is the lowest one on the totem pole. Still very good, frankly. Uh, next up is this new M2, which is a little bit better than the M1. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way for it. If I had an M1, I was happy with it. Okay, fine. After that, then you get the M1 Pro and then the M1 Max, both of which you can get in the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros. And then you get the M1 Ultra, 
which is two Macs and stacked together. You get the Ultra or the Macs in the Mac Studio desktop. Um, and that's kind of where we are. M1, M2, M1 Pro, M1 Max, M1 Ultra. Uh, there's a huge leap, frankly, between even the M2 and the M1 Pro, but you're also moving to a much more expensive machine to get that. That said, for things that people get a MacBook Air for, basic schoolwork, writing your novel at the coffee shop, you know, doing the basic everyday stuff MacBook Air people do, the M1 was fine. The Intel version before it was fine. The M2 is fine. It's a little bit better. Um, unless you're really doing reasonably high-end, you know, video work and even photo work, uh, you know, you're not going to notice much of a difference. But even on the M1s, I did 4K video editing and, you know, high-res Photoshop work, and it was fine. So, okay, the bottom line, though, that that there's not going to be a huge change in the experience with the M2 versus last year's M1 MacBook Air. In performance, no. I think your experiential uh, encounter with it is going to be a lot different because of the design, the screen size, the camera. Uh, it has MagSafe again now. They brought MagSafe back, so now MagSafe is back in this as well. Although, frankly, I just charge it through USB-C because I have USB-C cables everywhere now. I'm not going to carry right. around one proprietary cable that only works with one small subsection of laptops, you know, if you have a... a Pro 14 or 16 or the new Air, then you can use MagSafe. Everything else, you know, just use USB-C. So I, I don't use the MagSafe. Okay, okay. And and uh, back to the screen, as you know, it's a little bit bigger than it was a year ago. Does that make a difference or is it just, it's just kind of nice to have that it's slightly larger? If you look at it side by side and in the review on CNET, I've got a great picture and you can really see the corner of each screen, the M1 Air and the M2 Air next to each other. Mm -hmm. It's a nice, it's a nice change. It's a nice little bit of extra screen. The screen bezels are narrower, especially at the top. The the payback for that is the price you got to pay for that. The monkey's paw for that is you got the notch like you have on the iPhone now. And you also have on the other, you know, the higher end MacBook Pros. So you do have the big screen notch cutting into that. Oh, yeah. I, we all decided it was okay on the iPhone. So I guess it's okay here. I mean, we, we didn't, we're like, I don't like this. And like, what? Oh, that's fine. Yeah, no, we, we all got used to it with the iPhone 13, iPhone 12. I mean, it's been several generations where we've gotten used to the notch at this point since the early iPhone 10. So, yeah. A lot of apps hide it. They make the top bar dark, so it kind of blends in. Ah, okay. It's fine. Okay, well, um, you know, you talked about the price you have to pay. And, well, let's talk about price because this is a more expensive MacBook Air, right? There, is, there was a price increase that came with this new revision. This is the thing. The MacBook Air, for most of its life, not all of it, has started at $999. That made it a great college computer, uh, a first kind of reach computer. You could wrap your head around $999. And plus, it was often on sale for like 100 bucks less at places, or Apple had a good student discount for it. That's what made it so universal in colleges, even in high schools, in you know, people just starting out at their first jobs. Um, over... Uh, you know, over the course of the years, a couple of times Apple has bumped that up. Uh, maybe 2018 or so, maybe they bumped it up to uh, 1,200 bucks, but then they brought it back down. Uh, when it launched in 2008, the first one I reviewed was actually like $1,800. That was the original MacBook Air that had one USB-C port on it. And if you wanted a solid state hard drive instead of a platter drive in it, that was an extra $1,000 on top of that. So that's what the MacBook Air started out as. But $999 is what you think of. Now it's $1,199. And I think that really changes the math for a lot of people. That's why they're keeping the M1 version around for $999. So they can say they sell a $1,000 laptop. 
I bet in a year or two, this will come back down to $9.99. It's a disappointment to me. Uh, I actually reviewed the $1,500 version, the second of the two pre-configs that they have on their site. Even that $1,500 version only gives you eight gigs of RAM, which again, was a bit of a bummer for me. It runs fine, frankly. With MacBooks, you can get away with eight gigs. With a Windows system, if you want good performance, I'd say you need at least 16 to run Windows 11 efficiently. Uh, but you know, it, that, that's a tough uh, 200 bucks to swallow. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, was there anything else uh, disappointing about the MacBook Air or anything else that you, know, you wished Apple had added to it that there was a missed opportunity? I think they added a lot, which was great. I think, you know, MagSafe, I would have traded away for like an HDMI port or an SD mm. card slot like they have on the 14 and 16 inch pros. I will say this midnight color, even though it looks great, is a fingerprint magnet. And I promise you, Roger, I am no greasy fingered Bulgarian. I, however, <laughs> cannot touch this without taking one of these cloths and wiping it down furiously uh, right after. But that's always the problem with uh, matte black tech objects or other objects. The original black polycarbonate MacBook had the same problem. Other than that, I would say I'm generally very pleased with it. I gave it an editor's choice award, which I very, very rarely do. Um, on paper, it seemed great. In person, frankly, it seems great. And this is my new go-to coffee shop laptop. Nice. Uh, so ultimately, you know, is the new MacBook Air worth buying? And I guess more importantly, who should be considering considering this laptop or upgrading to this laptop? At many times over the past, whatever, 14 years since the MacBook Air launched, I have said it's the most uh, universally useful laptop you can buy, by which I mean it's probably going to be the most useful in terms of performance, price, design, features for the most number of people. Somebody says to me, what laptop should I get? The first thought is you probably need a MacBook Air. And well, I'll talk to you. And if it turns out you need something else, we'll move there. But that should be your default starting point just because it works for so many people and it's a decent price and it's something that will last you several years because they're so well-made uh, and they age gracefully, frankly. Part of that is because they're made of metal and very solidly. Part of that is because Apple controls the hardware and the software. So there's a lot of synergy there. Uh, I'd say that remains true for the new MacBook Air if you can stomach the extra 200 bucks. I would feel a little bummed out if I had to get the older M1 model, which Apple is still selling, but it's essentially the 2020 version, still works fine and you're still going to get uh you know 85% of the same performance or maybe even better than you would out of this but you don't get the good webcam you don't get the bigger screen you don't get the newer design still a great laptop um i i love 13 inch laptops as my carry around it's big enough to use every day on your desk where you're not like I'm looking at a little tiny laptop but it's small enough to put in your bag and take with you on the subway or in the car or on your commute to the office on a plane so that's where you get that perfect balance and Apple has continued to serve that category the people who need the balance so this is the laptop that brings balance uh feel like you're going to start talking about the Force at any moment. I, I almost went there. You almost went and there. I said, that's going to be one step too far. <laughs> but, well, but you read into my intention, and therefore the message still got through. There you go. There you go. That uh, Definitely uh, something to consider if you are looking for that perfect balance. Dan, thank you for your time. You can check out this his, is the way. You, you can check out his full review on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helped us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.